On your mark. Let's do it professionally. This will make Nathan's life easier. Three, two, one. Stephen, first I want to point out that Nathan started recording right when you said on your mark. So that's when this episode is starting. Don't give me this BS about professional. You just crushed me in backgammon. I'm really upset. It feels so good. Really, I'm like, I might cry in the you, middle of this episode. You know, all that stuff. I'm sorry about, that um, I might cry. It'll ruin this experience for you because you don't like to make no, me sad. Oh, I do. I do. <laughs> you know, all that stuff about um, grace and victory and, you know. No. <laughs> well, are Obviously, you, are you about, I don't either. Are you about to teach me? No, I because I am graceless in victory. All right, I, well, here's what you have to do. I took great you, delight in, but can I say they were extraordinarily dramatic games today. They were. One I'm after the still kind of shaking, actually. With reversals of fortune that really only happen in dice games and, um, no, they happen in real sport. It'd be like being up 1-0 in a soccer match in the 89th minute and then losing 2-1. Well, I have a question for you, and it could potentially be related to this. Is it an actual question of the day? It's a question of the I day. I did think it was my turn, but if you want the turn... Well, this... People, go ahead, take people, everything I have. Take my question... Since since you won the backgammon match today, I mean, this little sub-mini match of the day, not the overall match. We should match. say, for those who don't follow, we play 101-point uh, matches. And, and then an overall match of matches. Right. So we are now currently tied 2-2 two to two in 101-point matches. We've been playing for about 12 or 13 years. So the average match takes, you know, two, three years. And we're at 91-91. 91-91 now. After uh, coming oh. into today, we were at what? 8680 me 8680 you yeah. yeah all right all right enough of that all right so listen yeah. i asked the facebook group called choose yourself never heard of them to come up with questions for this particular question of the day so there's a couple that are of good ones um here's one from harlan cohen how good harlan cohen or harlan coben harlan cohen not coben not coben harlan coben's a very fine thriller writer this is not him very tall man this is not him um, His brother's an archaeologist, also very tall. How do you know this? I know the Cobins, but Harlan Coben writes these great... I'm sure many of our listeners have read Harlan Coben, um, but this is not him. This is not him. Okay. No, Harlan Cohen. Cohen. How, how good are you at rejection, and what are your secrets for being great at rejection, facing it, overcoming it, getting comfortable with it? So I think I reject people incredibly well. I've rejected thousands over the years. And actually, I think that's that's that, <laughs> that. Although that's a different question, that actually is really oh, hard. Being for me. rejected? No, re- rejecting people. I'm very non-confrontational. I'd you rather sure just. Are. I'd rather just disappear. You'd rather walk into the ocean. Yes, basically. Than have, to, than have to reject people. You are. What's the phrase? Conflict averse. Is that? Yeah, basically. So it's not but, necessarily the best strategy in life. Although obviously you've been rejected much more than me, like by women and stuff. But <laughs> you know what I'm concerned about: like rejected for jobs, rejected on writing opportunities, and yes, rejected by the many women that you've known. Can I hear the question again? <laughs> yes. Um, how do you deal with rejection? Is that the- how good are you at rejection, or basically how do you deal with it? What are your secrets for being great at rejection, facing it, overcoming it, and getting comfortable with it? It's an interesting question. So I don't, I don't think I have any wisdom or any secrets um, in terms of how to. So I guess the one thing I would have to say about this is, so I like. Many, no, even reject your writing's been rejected. Sure, certainly. no, everybody, every. I mean, nobody's not been rejected. Come on, yeah. I mean, you know. Um, I, I think people could go through life like with minimal rejection. They have a job forever. 
They, you know, but but maybe that's but but that, you're right. That would in general, be some kind of weird life. For yeah, somebody's never been rejected it, at anything. But some people also get really disappointed fast on sure, rejection. Sure, sure. Yeah. And so that's really the the challenge is how can to be in any kind of sort of exciting field where there's a lot of competition. Yeah, you're going to be rejected an enormous amount. So I guess the way I think about it is I look at rejection as a form of feedback. So I've always written in my life, you know, from the time I was a kid. Like a lot of people write, you know, for school and whatnot, but I always I always liked writing and and I thought of myself not as a literary type, but as a writer, like probably a journalist at some point. And uh, I remember freshman year in college, I had this English professor that I just loved. And kind of unrelated to that, I felt the urge to write a comic short story. So I wrote this story that I don't remember any details about now, uh, except that it was set in Schenectady, which was the city nearest to my my birthplace, and it was a kind of faux, sophisticated European scenario, the way that Woody Allen often did. He he did Brooklyn, and and he was kind of the rube who always thought he was more sophisticated than he was, or whatever. And it was like a three or four page short story that I probably wrote in elapsed time, maybe three hours, six hours. In other words, I didn't labor over it a long time. And because I thought of myself as a writer and I was, you know, kind of a musician by then, I just thought because this came from me and that because I'm a pretty good writer, I've been writing journalism, like, this is good. This short, this is good. It's just that I chose a new medium, the comedic short story, but because I'm me and I'm good in these other media, this is going to be good. And I gave it to that professor having nothing to do with class. I just said, would, as a favor, would you read this for me? And she read it. <laughs> And she was very kind, but she basically told me, this is just dreadful. It's not funny. It's not sophisticated. It's not interesting. It was it was terrible. It was just terrible. And it, it just that counts work. as a rejection. It was a big rejection. And it especially It's not like she was rejecting you, but it's almost like a career was rejecting you, like your career as a comic writer, a comedic writer. Well, but here's the thing. So my first response in answer to Harlan Cohen's question about how you handle it or whatever, how how I dealt for like 48 hours, I just fumed. And I thought, wow, this professor that I thought was really nice and smart is plainly neither nice nor smart. Ah, uh, and this was related to another uh, question of the day, which is how do you do people believe criticism? Exactly. You clearly, I clearly you, did not. You, you were holding this idea so close to your heart, you couldn't let criticism touch it. Yeah, and then I read the story again. I thought, oh my God, she is so right. And the minute I was able to see that, not that she had persuaded me that I was bad and that she was right. It's that she, her comments had led me to see what was bad about it. Then I was able to see what was bad about it. And then I was able to see that, you know what? Um, that's true. It's bad for all those reasons. And if I want to keep writing, I need to get better at these things. And so it turned out to be ultimately a really positive rejection, but I certainly didn't handle it well at first. Take a moment to listen to this message while we figure out where this answer is headed. Today's show is sponsored by Howl.fm, which by now you know is an awesome comedy network likened to being the Netflix for podcasts, brought to you by the same people that bring you all your favorite Earwolf shows, including this one, Question of the Day. With Howl Premium, you get exclusive access to a brand new Howl original miniseries called Dead Presidents. In this new show... Daniel O'Brien from Crack.com sets out to solve one of the greatest mysteries of our time, figuring out why certain American presidents appear on our cash. 
from the humble first president George Washington on the $1 bill to the controversial Andrew Jackson on the 20 for now, the stories behind the presidents on your money are way more surprising and way crazier than your high school history teacher ever could have imagined. With Howl Premium, you also get exclusive access to more than 120 hours of new Howl original miniseries and audio documentaries like The Complete Woman, Finding the Funny with the Sklar Brothers, and Fruit. You also gain access to more than 90 comedy albums, all the archives from WTF with Mark Maron, and every episode of every Earwolf show such as Comedy Bang Bang and How Did This Get Made. Get access to all this exclusive content on your iPhone, your Android phone, and on the web for only $4.99 a month. And with the promo code QOD, as in question of the day, you get a full month of free trial. To redeem your promo code, make sure you create your account on the web at howl.fm and enter code QOD at checkout. That's howl, H-O-W-L dot F-M. Use the promo code QOD for a one-month free trial of Howl Premium. So I think that's a, a really good technique to reframe it as feedback of one form or the other. It might not necessarily be good feedback or bad feedback, but feedback as opposed to like something that's going to damn you to some sort of personal hell. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's the danger is if you take the rejection, which, yes, rejection is about you and or your work, but it's also about the other person. What would you have done if... Um, Here's a, a different type of rejection. What if you had done? What would you have done if Freakonomics had fallen flat? Like, let's say it just didn't sell any copies, so the marketplace rejected your your writing. Well, you know what I I, I would have taken a job. In fact, I was about to take a job right as um, Freakonomics was coming out because I had no idea if it would work, and if it didn't work, um, you know, I had two young kids by then, and I thought I need to get a job, and so I was about to take a job at a magazine. So. Had that happened, I probably would have taken a magazine job. How would job. you have dealt with the rejection part? You know, Because then, then you can't say it's like feedback necessarily. Yeah. Well, it is. But it is, but it would have been like, I that would have really well, been personal. I probably would have accepted it and said, you know what? I am not good enough or lucky enough or blessed enough or whatever you want to call it to succeed in this in this way, in this realm. And I can keep doing it more and more. And maybe I'll be one of those stories that you hear about the people who try something for 40 years and they're finally recognized. But, you know, if you know even so you would a little— kind of had a, you would have kind of, like, um, moved into, like, the slower lane and kind of just persistently started building up no, again. No, I wouldn't have. I'm saying some people would do that. I think by then I would say that would have been my third book. My, my first one had done pretty well. My second one had done first one less did really well. well. Did really well for a small, you know, not a blockbuster by any stretch. But I mean, I I certainly could have gotten more book contracts. But I think I might have said, you know, I maybe don't have the, uh, you know, the skill. Now the irony is, you know, what made it a success? The same book could have just as easily failed. So there's so much luck involved in any success. That's I think what you have to look at when you get rejected is it's not as objective as you might want. Okay, so looking at rejection as feedback, making sure you understand that it's not necessarily objective. There are luck factors in all rejection. And let's say, for instance, you're rejected by a job or school or whatever. Could also be the person doing the accepting had a bad day. We don't know what's going on in his or her life and, and so on. And I'll, I'll throw in a third component, which is I always try to have a plan B, which is what you were sort of alluding to. You had a job lined up if it just in case Freakonomics didn't work out. Whenever I do something, and maybe I'm overly conservative, I always have a plan B, which is almost as appealing to me as my plan A. What's an example? 
I was doing a pilot for a TV show at HBO once, and I really wanted to do this TV show. I wanted it more than anything, and I, I thought this would be a great creative outlet for me. And it was when I was going around interviewing people at 3 in the morning. So I ended up doing it as a web show for HBO because they rejected it as a TV show. And on the side, I was doing my, own, my first company, which was building websites for entertainment companies. And we built up to be a really good company. So my plan B, I, I wasn't going to stop plan A for plan B, but plan A did not work. Mm. And my plan B was a great plan B. And so I always try to have in every area of my life, uh, a plan B. So the rejection comes in, I can kind of say, okay, that's fine. While I process that, I'm going to do this. And, you know, I have a plan B, a plan C, and so on. As many plans as I can find. That sounds sensible. The one other idea for coping with rejection that I thought of as you were describing that for Harlan or anyone is that I do think that it is a natural impulse to let a rejection eat at you and to kind of greet it with some version of anger or resentment or envy or something. And I got to say, I just think those are not very productive um, well, how, emotions. It, In other words, if it's a binary choice of either like get really distraught about, et cetera, the rejection, or totally let it slide off your back, which may not sound so healthy, I'm always going to go for the let it slide off your back. A lot of people can't avoid that. I'll give you an example. I, I'm sure, no, it's hard because... So, you know, like like when I was uh, in high school, I remember asking out this girl, Michelle was her name. She rejected me oh, she was so, way out of your league, Michelle. She was. Everybody was out of my league. I had like... <laughs> you were not in a league. Bursting all over my face and braces and glasses and... Ugh, it's, gross. it's a nice picture you draw. <laughs> And um, I remember she was like, she would just like shut down. Like she looked the other way and just like stood there and like, but like her back to me. And so I was just standing there. I had just asked her out and she rejected me. And then some guy from like the football team even came over and said, Michelle, you okay? And he's like looking at me like I'm going to, I was doing something. <laughs> so it was like so I thought brutal. you were going to say the guy from the football team came over and asked you out. That would have been such a sweet twist. Yes, it would have been romance waiting. Yeah. But, uh, and I felt really rejected. Like I couldn't, I felt really bad like for days. And so what'd you do with that rejection? No, nothing. I mean, I still remember it to this day as rejection. That's why I'm repeating this well, story. Well, I think that's natural that you remember it. But like, if you let that rejection, let's say, color your view of her or everyone in your school or all women, whatever, all that's going to do is hurt you in the yes, moment. Yes, that's I, all I'm saying. I agree that with you that. Can't... But let's say you're the type of person who just like takes rejection so personally. How do you how do you change that? Because this is related to another question here. Actually, is how do you change like a belief that oh I'm bad or I'm ugly or I'm not capable, I'm a good writer or I'm not capable? Okay, and so you're asking a very very hard question that is unanswerable, really, because there are so many variations and people are so different. But I will give one word that I think is probably worth thinking about. Anytime you want to change a belief, a behavior, whatever. I think the key or a key consideration is how you want to change things is incrementally. I think the problem is, is that a lot of us look at problems or situations or our talents, abilities or lack of ability, and, and we want to make a drastic change. And what we don't realize is that you don't get to that 
need for drastic change overnight. It's a gradual accretion of moves you've made, decisions you've made, and so on. And that if you expect a kind of magical reversal of from today on, I'm going to stop forever doing this thing that I've been doing that has resulted in this situation, I think all you're doing is setting yourself up for ultimately a failure that makes you feel even worse about yourself. And you got to realize, people have to realize that when they're trying to make changes in behavior, work, the way they think, the way they think about themselves, other people, you have to understand that incrementally is the way you get to the big goal. It's, you know, we've talked a little bit about stretch goals and the SMART goals. It's true. If you look at your stretch goal as the thing that you want to accomplish, it's not accomplishable on its own except under miraculous circumstances. And I think that's really important to remember, especially when people get really distressed about a failure or rejection. You want to just reverse field entirely, and that almost is never going to be possible. So so I think I think maybe realizing these other things we're saying, like view it as feedback, uh, have a plan B, don't let it consume you, just kind of understanding that these are the better choices and... Just being aware of that is almost like where you can get that that incremental change. Like try to almost picture what you would be like if it wasn't consuming you, for instance, without necessarily acting on that because you might not be ready yet, but just picture it. I also would advocate, I think this might have come from my mom, who I learned a lot from, and basically her view of the world was the never let them see you sweat view of the world, which is if someone does something to offend you, to attack you, to reject you, whatever, if you let them see you being angry, distraught, whatever, that's just an extension of their attack yeah. on you. And the best way to respond, however you're going to respond ultimately, it's just like, okay, that happened. And now I'm going to go off and make the next thing happen. All right, well... I hope um I hope I hope Harlan, I reject you at the uh backgammon board uh next I hope backgammon I hope I hope luck rejects you. <laughs> Can't wait until tomorrow for more QOD. Hear a clip from our next show right after this. Hi everybody, this is David Gregory and I want to tell you about my new podcast, The David Gregory Show. It is that easy to remember. And it's me talking to all sorts of really interesting people, getting them off their regular script into deeper, more personal conversations, like Ariana Huffington about parenthood. I think especially for mothers, they take the baby out and they put the guilt in. Or Bravo TV's Andy Cohen on being less afraid. Look, I'm a single gay dude on a late night talk show. If I can't overshare, who can? We'll have a new program every Friday. So go to iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite podcast app and download The David Gregory Show and eavesdrop on really cool conversations. Thanks for listening. Here's a peek at what we have in store for you next time on Question of the Day. James, someone on Quora asks, what is an experience that everyone raves about, but for you, it just wasn't that great? Can I say why I love it before you answer? Yes. I love it because I think it will lead to interesting answers, but I also love it because I think it makes any one of us inspect how our individual preferences fit or don't fit in with mass preferences. And I think that's a great exercise. 